Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hey everyone, I'm Brenda. And I'm Julia. And you're listening to Roaring Twenties Podcast. Your 20s are known as both the most exciting and most confusing years of your life. We're here to share our stories, to have real and raw conversations, and best of all, to make you feel a little less alone. This podcast was brought to you by the Believe Podcast Network, the number one podcast network for professionals. Do you believe? Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Roaring 20s Podcast. Today, we have on with us Eliza Dordelman. We're so excited. Eliza is a certified health coach, massage therapist, former D1 athlete, which I have a lot of questions about, and overall wellness lover. And she centers her virtual practice and blog around healing, working through obsession, fear, restriction, emotional eating, over-exercising. It's a lot of things, and we're going to get into all of it because we've all been there. And Eliza is now here to help us along our health and wellness journey because she's gone on her own. So we're so excited to have you, Eliza. Thanks for being here. Thank you so much, Julia. I'm so excited. I, I always try and get my story out and share it as much as possible to kind of make sure people feel like they're not as alone as they feel maybe in this moment. Yes. Oh, that's what this is all about. Isn't that what we all want? Just to feel oh, yeah. less alone? <laughs> Especially during these corona times. And we just went on a new lockdown phase here. So mm, Denver's yes. just going downhill a little bit, but we're going to get through it. <laughs> we're all going to get through it. I have like the anxiety is rising. It's going to yeah. be okay. We're going to like listen to this podcast and hopefully a year when the vaccine is out and be like, we did it. <laughs> yes. Wow. I really we're talking about that. We're like, this is actually, we didn't think about it, but this is a, a, a like a journal. <laughs> we're going to look back on this and be like, what the heck? <laughs> yeah, so true. <laughs> Because we never expected it. But anyway, we'll we'll let go of that stressfulness. <laughs> Eliza, introduce yourself. Tell us a little bit about you, who you are, where you're from, and how old you are. For sure. I'll start out with the easy question. I'm 24 years old, and I live in Denver, Colorado. I'm originally from the East Coast. I grew up in the Philly area right outside and went to college there to Villanova. I studied journalism and communication in college and did play on the tennis team at Villanova. Took a pivot my senior year, which is probably what we'll talk a lot about today. And right now I am newly licensed in massage therapy, which will be really great. So I can have a really stable foundation in terms of like a full-time job pending COVID stuff. And I also fill my time with health coaching and blogging. And of course my Instagram and putting out a lot of content. So I kind of like to do a little bit of everything. That's always been my personality of, you know, having my hands in a few different spots, but it's super rewarding when you kind of feel that fulfillment of like what your personal doing in terms of what really lights you up. Absolutely. We were just talking about right before we hit record on this show that I've been following Eliza for such a long time and our stories aligned so much. And she was one of the first people that I, she's super, super vulnerable. Like we talk about real, raw, vulnerable. Um, and if you guys don't know this about her already, she's definitely someone to follow because that really got me. I remember screenshotting her stories and sending them to Julia, sending them to my boyfriend and being like, I'm experiencing this. Like this girl is literally speaking, speaking my thoughts. And that's really a big piece of why not only I wanted to start sharing my story and we started sharing our stories was because we realized just how much like someone saying, I'm going through this too, or I'm going through this, you're not alone, can really change the way you feel about yourself and make you make you feel less crazy. <laughs> like Not that you are crazy, but it was just, it was super empowering. So anyway, I've been so inspired by your journey. I know that your followers really appreciate everything that you do. And to just kind of dive right into your story, would you share a little bit about that with us? And since you're a health
health coach and massage therapist, which is so cool. What led you to both of those fields? Yeah, I mean, a loaded question, but I'll try and simplify yeah. it and just for like a basic level playing field. I feel like my health and wellness journey is just such a big part of me. And while it used to be my sole identity, now I've kind of been able to like incorporate it a little bit more into my life and integrate it into like a very like healthy path going forward. And, you know, yeah, like it really started early on seventh, eighth grade with a restrictive eating disorder at the time of puberty when our bodies are changing. And Mm. I remember the summer before it happened, I was like eating a bunch of sweets and baking all the time. And, you know, one day I must have just looked in the mirror. I don't even remember anymore at this point of like why it happened, but I looked in the mirror and it probably said, you know, like, I'm not good enough. My body is um, bigger than it used to be. Didn't really put two and two together that it was natural at that age with puberty. So from just from a young age, I just had like a distorted vision of myself. And there was a lot of, you know, like bad habits and behaviors that that went through. And then as I kind of like convinced myself that I recovered at the age of like 14 or 15 on my own, of course, habits came back to bite me in the butt because nothing was ever fully healed. I'd never, ever fully addressed the insecurities that I had about my body, the disordered eating habits, the restrictive eating habits, just the complete like dissociation from myself. And so, So anyway, that kind of led to like a journey among the next four years of high school. I developed some gut issues in there just because as we all know, like disordered eating is can be very entwined with gut issues because your digestive system is where your food is housed. Mm -hmm. Um, And so ended up having undiagnosed celiac for three years, which is why I was um, developing a lot of gut issues that led me down another path of figuring out what balance was best for my body, having a new autoimmune disease uh, and college, I found out I had another autoimmune disease. It was Hashimoto's. And that's for anybody who's not familiar. It's an autoimmune disease where your body's essentially, I don't want to say attacking your thyroid, but the easy vocabulary to understand is attacking your thyroid and your thyroid is a gland in your throat that kind of controls your metabolism of your body. So I started to gain weight. I started to feel really lethargic, depressed, developed some mental health things in there, got that situated, thought I was healed, went through a whole new test in New York last year when I moved there. And a lot of my old habits and coping mechanisms had come up in terms of the orthorexia and binge eating and over-exercising. And I was like, honestly, once and for all, I got to heal this thing. Like I kind of of like looked myself in the mirror one day I think it was like last January or February and I was like you know it's been like almost 10 years and I have to like finally face myself and be like there's something that's so much deeper than just food and body that clearly isn't being addressed and that just led me to this whole like I don't want to say spiritual awakening because no, yeah. that can seem like very extreme but it was this awakening of like who am I if I'm not my disordered eating or my athlete identity or my over exercise patterns and like how can I find life outside that and so I was feeling like very unfulfilled at that point and I kind of knew that I had to not necessarily restart life but really just go after things that I'd always wanted to and one of those was living out west um, I'd, I've always had like a very like free spirited heart and Denver was kind of calling me and I was kind of going through a list of professions that I really wanted to go into in terms of helping people wasn't quite ready to go back to like a four-year med school program or anything with regards to 
like a lot of student debt. So landed on massage therapy because I love the body. I've always been fascinated with sports massage, being a former athlete. And I moved out here. I knew person. Um, I absolutely love it out here. It's like, it's just the best place I could be right now. Um, and I have an amazing boyfriend, new friends, this awesome career that I'm going into. Um, my health coaching practice has been kind of like very on the up in the past few weeks and it's just weird how things align when you actually start to like choose yourself and like mm. put yourself first and you kind of like learn a lot more about yourself in these like self-discovery processes like with health and wellness and like these struggles that we all commonly face like in our 20s yeah, yeah. wow there's so much in there i want to like talk about <laughs> let's talk <laughs> let's talk i have a quick question about um you talked about orthorexia and, you, and you've yeah. you know always been in tune with your health and wellness and all of this stuff. So I guess my question is, I feel like a lot of people at some points, and maybe this aligns with you, like don't actually, aren't actually fully aware. Like you're incredibly intuitive. Um, It's like very impressive, but sometimes I feel like we almost trick ourselves into believing, like you said, oh, I thought that I was healed or, um, you know, I believe that I was really, really prioritizing my health and wellness at this point in my life. What, like, what made you realize that it was a, I don't want to say a false sense of, of healing or something like that, but how do you know when there's more work left to do yeah, for someone? That's, blanket, yeah. For sure. I think once I, so I started following some people when I started following them, um, people who were really into the anti-diet movement and the intuitive eating movement. And even when I was in college and I like called myself an intuitive eater, I was still <laughs> cutting out like dairy and refined sugar and like these food groups just convinced that it would like make me healthier thinking that that was like my sole life's purpose to be healthy (laughs) and so once I was that's a great question I would say when I was in New York and these things resurfaced it was a combination because I was following more like anti-diet and like intuitive eating leaders or coaches or dietitians or even therapists and a lot of what they were saying it really opened my eyes to the fact of like I had still been restricting and thinking about food so much more than I should have in those past two years where I thought I was recovered. And when, you know, people would bring up like the fact that thinking about food 24-7 isn't normal or like planning out your next meal, um, you know, maybe skipping like going out to dinner with friends or family because you didn't like want to go out to eat or something. And I was like, wow, like what actually is food freedom? Because I thought I've had it, but clearly I haven't because I still identify with all these things that are considered quite disordered. And it was a little bit of denial at first. I could never wanted to admit that I still have like disordered eating patterns. But when I was in New York, it was kind of like in New York City, it just wasn't the right environment for me because what was happening is like my anxiety was constantly triggered. And because my anxiety was so high from like constant stimulation and just like hustle and bustle of New York, I was learning that my coping mechanisms were solely revolved around food and exercise. Mm. And I hadn't really been placed in an arena of that discomfort for a while because I had essentially grown up in Philadelphia all my life. I went to college close to home. It was like very safe for me. So when I finally like took that step, first step out of college, like when I was 22, 23, I was like in this new environment, all of these like past coping mechanisms kept coming back. And Mm -hmm. to the point of like trigger warning for your audience, just in terms of like eating disorder patterns, but like I was binging and I was purging after, and I hadn't done that in years and years and years. And I was like, all right, there's something like seriously wrong here because if I still consider myself recovered and these behaviors are happening, 
while I'm also following a lot of these like intuitive eating, anti-diet dietitians who are telling me there's such a better life outside mm -hmm. of that, then there's something that's still going on. And just to finish up on that, the orthorexia really came during that period because I, I went on this like, just like um, everlasting pursuit to like forever heal my gut. And that's been like a very trendy like, like wellness topic of like yeah. gut healing and gut health. Yeah. And that's where the orthorexia really came in when I was in New York because I was like, well, what food can I cut out next? Like what food group can I cut out next? Right. First it was grains and it was corn and then it was dairy and then it was refined sugar and soy and like processed foods. And I was like at this point where I was eating like maybe five or 10 things max in my diet. And I thought that was I didn't think that was normal, but I knew it felt safe and comfortable right. to me. You thought you were doing so, a, good, a good thing for your body. Yeah. It's like, you think you're doing good things like on this pursuit of health and wellness. And like, you kind of have that breaking point of like, whoa, like this is not, yeah. like this is not how life should be. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think it's very difficult, especially with social media that we have so much, like there's wonderful thing about having access to information, but it also can be detrimental, you know, if we don't, if we're not in a good place, like there, we're constantly being fed like so much information about what's good for our body, what's good for our mental health, what's good for our weight, our, our physicality. Like there's so much information. And I think for anybody, it can be really difficult to be like, well, what is the right thing for my body? Like I, I, I know even sometimes I'm like questioning myself like, oh, well, what is the, what is the right way to eat? What is the right thing to eat? Cause it's like constant stimulus of all of this information of like, right. this is what you do need to do to heal your gut. This is what you need to do to, you know, do this thing. And it, it could be totally overwhelming. And I think a lot of times we think we're doing the right thing, you know, for our body, because a lot of times it's hard to even know. Yeah. yeah so true. Especially because there's just such a wide variety of opinions out there nowadays. Yeah. And the reason that I love like the anti diet intuitive eating movement is because people who really you know believe in it and follow it will not prescribe their version of health on you yeah and I think that's something you can really tell between in terms of like health professionals when you're looking to work with some like whether it's a coach a dietitian a nutritionist trainer something like that if they're trying to prescribe you with something that really doesn't feel right or that feels like kind of like sticky or icky or like you're scared to do it then that's most likely not <laughs> it's not probably not right for your body and like back to your social media anecdote it's like you can't you can't even really filter the content that even like shows up in your yeah. explore feed or filter the content that like other people are sharing in their stories or their posts and so the best you can do is like create a cohesive feed that's like best for you but even that you can't you don't have control over what is showing up and that's why it's such like a double-edged sword because yeah. it's like all right as much as I want to try and control my feed there's still everything that can show up in my explore page or targeted advertising or anything like that so it's just such a hodgepodge of information. Yeah. Um, I want to talk a little bit yeah. about you being an athlete, Eliza. Can you talk a little bit about like the one, how that may have played a role on how you viewed your body? And then two, um, in terms of identity, like how much of that were you, because I know you said about like really needing to choose you. And I think a lot of times, especially for, you know, people that are creatives or athletes, we identify so much as that Thing. So I'd love to hear about like being an athlete in terms of your identity and also being an athlete in terms of your body and then the breakaway from that. Yeah, such good questions. So yeah, I'll start with the identity. Well, the identity and the body are completely intertwined. But just to start with the identity, it's like, I've been active all my life. And you know, I was raised very fortunately in an awesome family that really prioritized just like 
fun, active activities, whether that was golf, tennis, like walking, hiking, anything like that. So it was never like a, a harmful relationship to movement, I would say, definitely until those like disordered eating kind of like pseudo days in middle school and high school. But even then it was like, I wasn't really entrenched in overexercising until I went to college and I was like on a team and training 20 plus hours a week. And the, the worst thing about it, you know, looking back now is like, I still didn't think that like a three hour practice was enough. And I had to go to the gym after and consistently work on my fitness. And part of it was performance based. Like I wanted to be able to perform well, but it was mm -hmm. also like that perfection and control piece of needing to control my body and like you know like anxious times during college and so I never really came to terms with the fact that like I maybe had an unhealthy relationship with exercise just because yeah. it was so normalized like even though I didn't really I wasn't I sure as heck was not on like the starting lineup of the team I was still practicing and going to all the matches and I was still in it with my team and training and weights and everything so it was like it, it was just so normalized and I actually so I stopped after three years because I wanted to pursue some other things my senior year and my senior year I took up running my first marathon so I was already like still entrenched in that of like running x amount of miles a week and while I was definitely able to do it it was still harmful because I was still perpetuating the cycle yeah. of like needing to exercise like X amount of hours a day or a week. Yep. And I mean, gosh, I completed the marathon. It was an awesome achievement. But looking back, I had this like mini identity crisis after my senior year because I was like, well, who am I if I'm not an athlete? Who am I if I'm not a marathon runner? Right. And that kind of goes into what you were saying, like with the identity with my body, it was like the only thing that I kind of knew, the only thing I believed about myself was that my worth was placed either in my appearance or like how muscular my legs were or like how much I could squat or run or anything like that so when I was in New York that first year after I mean I was over exercising so much because it was a part of a little bit a part of that like identity crisis and like needing to kind of fill that void but it was also the anxiety piece of like that was how I controlled my anxiety so I was going to like multiple workout classes a day or you know I'd be walking everywhere I'd be like biking everywhere and I just convinced myself that it was because I'm an active and active person and an athlete and then, you know, that led to like loss of period and like that led to gut issues. And so it's just like, I, the reason that I'm like, now that I'm healed, I'm like, how did I do that for so long is because I look back and I'm like, that wasn't normal. But when you're in it, you're just like, no, I'm fine. I'm healthy. Like, it's all good. So I give my, like my love out to, you know, all the people who might feel like they're in my shoes because it is a little bit of that like grief and denial that you might not really come to terms with for a while. But when you do, it's so freeing. Yeah, absolutely. And I know, I know from watching Brenda's journey and her being able, it's, it's so hard when you're in it, no matter what it is that you're in, when we say it in air quotes, but I know like from Brenda watch, getting to hear your story and watch you, you know, go through your journey. I remember her being, when she wasn't sure, when she hadn't fully accepted yet, like that there was something deeper going on that needed to be healed. I remember her being like, oh, oh, I, I feel that way. Like, oh, I'm, I'm doing that. I, oh, I'm thinking about it this way. And it's like, it's so hard to even, you know, and Brenda is super self-aware, but it's hard sometimes when you're so deep in it and you can't even like see yourself from a bird's eye view, but that's why it's so important to have these conversations and like why I'm so grateful for you to share your journey because it really does allow other people to get introspective and recognize maybe patterns in themselves because they see it in other people. And so I, it's just so important. And I really, 
like I, I so, so much gratitude to you, Eliza, for sharing your journey. And I think also, Ju, kind of, kind of going off of that, the extra piece is like the idea that you convince yourself that what you're doing is in the name of health. Like it's in the name of it's, it's well-intended and you really, really start to convince yourself of that. So that that's the piece that I feel like most people struggle with is like maybe for a second having the thought of, Oh, am I struggling with that? No, I'm not the type of person that struggles with that. Eliza, for some reason you strike me. I don't know if you know much about Enneagrams, but I feel like if you, <laughs> if you know anything, you're a three wing two. If you don't know anything about it. Oh, we like, are. <laughs> the whole like I think that's a big people like a lot of people that struggle with disordered eating from what I understand do have this like perfectionism complex and like wanting to overachieve and you know convincing yourself I remember that's the biggest thing I used to say to myself I'm like no like people called like people would call me superwoman like I'm not the type of person that that would struggle with this like there's no way I can I can do it all and oh it was so crazy so Anyway, all of that to say is something that you mentioned about like gut health and um, like the autoimmune stuff. How did that play a role in the disordered eating piece? Because we actually do have some friends that are even currently in, in this exact spot in it where they do have some disordered eating habits and patterns, but they're struggling with their gut health and they don't know how to find food freedom while trying to figure out what's going on with their body with all the symptoms and such. Yeah, it is so hard to unwind. I actually... I was working with a client earlier today and her biggest issue is she's literally down to, you know, like a list of 10 foods because mm-hmm. she's cut out all these things in the name of gut health. But what happens is like, okay, she's restricting everything. One of her biggest issues is binging every single night. Mm-hmm. And the thing that we think is so wrong is like the binging where it's like, it's the restricting. And that's the thing that's so harmful about gut health is that, or like the gut health, like trendiness right now is because if you search online like how to heal your gut you'll probably get nine out of ten articles telling you to cut out foods and while you may be sensitive to some foods gut health is so much more of a holistic view that I've like learned now that having gone through it it, and it's really harmful to be consistently restricting and cutting out food because you're lessening the diversity in your microbiome and your stomach bacteria and that's like what that's what keeps it healthy And so that was a huge part for me because, okay, maybe I used to have restrictions based on weight loss years ago, but last year and the year before it was the restrictions based on gut health and autoimmunity and like on this perfect quest to heal myself, right? Right. Like goes back to the perfection, like you were saying earlier that overlaps with a lot of disordered eating. And it just took this new form of like that all or nothing thinking, like I need to either cut out all the foods or I need to binge every night and then restrict everything the next day. So I follow a lot of really great, you know, maybe we can listen in the show notes or something, but I follow a lot of really great new GI dietitians who are so passionate about the issue of fear mongering in the like uh, autoimmune or like gut healing space because it's money making, right? Like if you fear some, if you push somebody into buying one of your products because you tell them that like, if they don't do it, like they're going to have the worst gut health for the rest of their life. Like they're going to buy it most likely. And so that's the issue right now, because a lot of people realize it is a very like profitable industry. Oh yeah. Um, because some people are desperate. Like I was to heal these symptoms. And so what I've really found is like, okay, maybe there is like a little bit of like food at play, but it is so much bigger than that. It's how well you're sleeping. It's if you are constantly stressed, not only about like food, but about your life. 
Yeah. Um, if you are, you know, over-exercising, like over-exercising puts stress on the body and that takes away energy from digestion. Are you drinking enough water? Like these very basic things that you wouldn't think have a huge impact, but they really do. And so what I think is super important is first healing the relationship with food first and like actually getting like consistent nourishment throughout the day and like meal patterns and I don't really like the word balance, but just like more balanced plates and like balanced eating. So you're not in this like chaotic yo-yo phase of like restricting and binging that puts a lot of harm on your, on your stomach and a lot of stress on your stomach. So I think it's really important first to heal the relationship with food and like make peace with food. And then from there, you can actually like non-judgmentally sit down eat a meal, see like if something feels reactive in your body, then go from there. Rather than looking at these like insanely long lists of like restrictions and things that you should cut out because nobody knows like what's best for your body like besides you. Yeah, that that's a really good point. And uh, it, it's just so powerful because I, I feel like I know so many people that are struggling with this. And because like even, even my story specifically, mine really did have to do with body image and weight loss and thinking that a smaller body was a happier body and a more lovable and beautiful body. So like there is a good amount of talk about those people or at least I know where to look to, to learn about that. And I'm in luckily a totally different place now, a totally different world. But I feel like I have people that I care so much about in my life that say, oh, well, it's not about the weight for me. You know, I really like, and it's really, I really believe that for them that it's not, but because all of these gut health issues come into play, they're like, well, I can't, I can't risk having this symptom or having something react negatively in my body. And then it's just hard because they do struggle with binging. And then that also kind of perpetuates the cycle. Um, And then the heaviness in in the morning and and, and all that stuff. So it's just, it's really complicated. And I really think people who are in that space right now will find a lot of hope in what you're saying and you being an example of someone who kind of came from a mix of those two spaces. Yeah, yeah. no, I agree. Because it's like, yeah, there's so many resources now on body positivity and like the like weight movement, which is amazing. But I think where we're really lacking is the disordered eating and the the health perfection, the orthorexic side of, yeah, health and wellness and having this perfect health and wellness, never having another gut symptom in your life. And so it was like a mix of healing because it was like, yes, it was, it was working with a dietitian and um, another health coach with working with a lot of food stuff, but it was also a lot of like mindset stuff of like, it's okay if I blow it after a meal. Like that doesn't mean that I'm a bad person. Yeah. <laughs> and like a lot of these articles and people will get you to believe that like you should never be bloating another day in your life if you have a perfectly healthy gut. Like if you think right. about it, like literally putting like an entire plate of food in your stomach, like of course it's going to yeah. expand yeah. a little bit and then the digestive system does its work and you get it out. And it's like, it's a constant cycle. But to what, to your point, Brenda, in terms of like the fear with like, having symptoms, that was one of my biggest fears. And I was like, no, I can't eat that. Like I can't eat garlic or onion because I'm going to have symptoms. And I didn't see, like we were saying earlier, it's like, I didn't see it when I was in it. The bigger picture of the fact that like, in order to not have those symptoms, you need to have a little bit of garlic and onion or foods that you might feel scary tolerating because you need to improve your like gut diversity and like microbiome and like rebuild that stomach lining. And Your stomach lining can't live on 5, 10, 15 foods. Like it needs diversity and Mm. consistent nourishment. And so, yeah, I'm just, I I actually really have been trying to figure out like a 
a better way to like implement that into like my content and stuff because it's just such such a rocky area. Um, and another part of that orthorexic stuff was like supplements that I was sold from so many of these oh, naturopathic yeah. doctors. And I can't tell you how much money I wasted. I'm like looking at a box actually right now of like supplements that just I like don't use anymore. Yeah. And it was all under the name and this promise that like if I took this regimen or this protocol, then I would be like completely healed. Right. Well, okay, like what happened when the protocols like didn't work like I would get so frustrated Mm -hmm. end up like restricting and binging again it was like this perpetuating cycle and so it's not to say there aren't like helpful targeted supplements but nowadays it's like people will try to sell you anything and everything and it's just very overwhelming and so that's why I really like to take the approach of like heal your relationship with food first and focus on some more like lifestyle factors and then you can like work on like maybe some supplements or like vitamins and things like that so yeah yeah I mean it goes back to like the one being overstimulated by like so much information yeah also because everybody's bodies are different and what everybody's gonna need is different and it goes back to that perfectionism piece I think because you know we feel in a way that like you know if this thing doesn't work if this one thing doesn't work for me there must be something wrong with me and that like frustration of like well why isn't this working I'm doing this right maybe that thing is could be right for someone else but maybe yeah. it's not right for you. But it's 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 a cycle because it's like, you know, so much disordered eating comes from a control or perfectionism. And then it's like the thing that you're doing to try to control that is not working. So then you're angry at yourself. And it's like, yeah. it's like this perpetuating cycle. And yeah. I love what you said, and we'll get more into it, you know, about really looking at life from like a 360 view and like all the other things that come into play when it comes to real healing and coming really to terms with like you and who you are and what your individual body needs because everybody's is going to be different. Uh, Yeah, that is the hardest thing to remember because back to social media, it's like you see somebody thriving on one's regimen or protocol or way of eating and you're like, oh, like, why can't that work for me? Or like, and then yeah, you read an article online, you open up a magazine or one of your friends tells you like their paleo and whatever kind of diet they're following and you're like, oh, but maybe if I try that, then like all my problems will be gone. It's a feeling of like never being enough. That was also a big mindset piece I had to work on is like, I honestly, no matter what I did, I never felt enough until Mm -hmm. I just, I just actually absolutely like let go I was like I need to stop trying so hard like that was a just a pattern throughout my whole life is this like people pleasing like needing to do it all as we were talking about earlier like if something goes wrong and it's my fault like no (laughs) it's not and I had to relearn these ways of like the all or nothing thinking the perfectionistic mindset um yeah it's it's a lot and I'm not saying like you'll be able to do it all overnight but as you said earlier it's like the more we talk about things and like if somebody resonates it's like all right like maybe there's like something to work with here and we can like take baby steps but that is another thing I want people to know is like you won't unravel all this stuff in a week. Like it's taken me already like a year and a half to almost feel like, no, I'm not going to say like normal again, but like very healed and like just so much work in those months. Definitely. Yeah. You said so many great things. I don't even know where to begin, but (laughs) I think with the, especially the balance component, kind of that really struck out to me because I've been thinking about it myself, right? I'm like, oh my gosh, my account is, I change it to balance with Brenda. And then I I was literally having like a, a thought in my head and I'm like, but balance is different for everyone. And that's 
that's like something I've been tossing around recently is like my definition of balance is might very well be so different from your definition or Julia's definition. And I think that when you struggle with disordered eating, there's like, you don't need to struggle with that in order to figure out like what works best for you. But I think it does give you this like threshold comparison. Like I know now that although the word balance is so individualized that I am at a more balanced place than I was a year ago, a year and a half ago, two years ago. And it's just been this whole thing that I've been toying with because I'm like, damn, it really is so different. And going back to that fear piece about what people instill in us and why being a coach and having a coach that understands you and is willing to work with something that works best for you is important is because we do like really subscribe to what, what people say. Like I remember when I had a coach, she told me X amount of calories and that's the only way you will lose weight. And to this day, it's not that I have a fear of it anymore, but I have like, I just remember like there's this, this program that, that talks about fiber. We don't have, we're not going into that, but I remember they used to equate like the amount of like in a bagel, the amount of slices of white bread. And to this day I'll eat a bagel, but I still remember that. So it's like all these different things that we really do soak in what people say. And that's why it, it's crazy. That's why it impacts yeah, us. Like we're this like giant computer system and like constantly being reprogrammed with like yeah, all of these yeah. new things. It's yes. like, where are we underneath it? And funny you say that about balance because I got this email from um, a really awesome brand that I like. I'm not sure if you follow them on Instagram. It's like the Undiet Society or like the Body Love Society. Oh, oh the um, Body Yes, yes. Yeah, they're really great. And so so in their email, you know, they were saying the, the subject was why balance isn't the answer. And in their in their uh, email, they're saying, we want to share with you why balance isn't the answer. It seems to be a common misconception that you can stop dieting and just be balanced. What a healthy and sensible answer to our food issues. This actually is just another way to control. When you think balance, you may think never eat too much or too little. And instead of restricting the dessert, you allow yourself to have a little eat, but make sure you watch what you eat. And it may not be extreme restriction because you are allowing it, but it still is all about limitation and limitation and forcing yourself into a perfectly balanced place will still call cause binging will still cause obsession and we can bet there isn't that feeling of freedom around food so like so I just love that you said that because when I read that email they have a podcast on it and I was like you are so right that's kind of like the words that they that I they kind of took out of my mouth is that when we strive for balance it doesn't work but when we like look back at things and like kind of see how far we've come or something you're like wow like I feel really balanced now but it's dangerous when you like search for that like pursuit of balance um once again like another like double-edged sword like you know scale of like up and down and up and down but I totally agree with that yeah we had um we had someone on the podcast she's a extremely successful lawyer a while back and we had asked her like about work-life balance Mm -hmm. and she was like I hate that term. She's like, someone called it. She's like, because you're never going to have a work-life balance. You're never going to. She's like, but someone called it work-life sway. And I, she's like, I resonate with that so much more because like sometimes it's going to be this thing and sometimes it's going to be this Mm -hmm. thing and it's a sway. And I feel like that doesn't just have to be for work-life balance. That could be, you know, a replacement for the word balance, you know, in our whole lives. It's a sway. Exactly. And we only have so much capacity. And I think that we've talked about this too, Drew, obviously. Obviously, but they're like, let's say we all, we always say like, oh, I'm giving 110%. And it's like, no, you have 100% to give. It's not a perfect pie. Like you're not going to be able to give the same amount to your family and to work and to your side hustle and to the person you love, like 
all of the time. It's not split equally. Like there are going to be times where certain things are going to be prioritized and all that. So oh, yes, <laughs> but be, going off of the coaching thing. Yeah. And, and going off of the coaching thing, just because I was curious, I actually worked as a health coach as well while I was recognizing that I was struggling with disordered eating. And that was really, really hard for me because I had to make the decision to no longer be a health coach and remove myself from a heavily diet culture type of environment. And it's weird because now I wouldn't you know, go back to that circumstance, but I know that if someone were to talk to me about those ideals today, I would have like this whole shield of armor around me, like calling people out on their BS, being like, no, that's not true. I know this, I know that. But at the yeah. time I was so vulnerable. So with you uncovering so much about yourself, how did you, I felt this like imposter syndrome of an extent, like trying to help people with the best intentions, but also like feeling unsure of where I was. So how have you kind of dealt with that? being a coach and still simultaneously working through all the yeah, things. Yeah, so, I'm so glad you brought that up because when I was actually in my health coaching program, I mean, I went through IAN, I, which is definitely has some diet culture in the program. I had, you know, graduated and finished the certification as I was in the middle of living in New York. And that was really when I was in the middle and that thick of like the orthorexia stuff. And so, you know, I actually really didn't do anything with it. Like I had my Instagram and I had my blog account and everything, but I never like promoted services or anything. Anything because I mean not to brag but like I have a lot of integrity and I knew that I could not help people with the amount of like just bad habits that I had and it's frustrating because a lot of the times in the coaching industry or like in a lot of these new like nutrition business industries there will be other business coaches who convince you who will be like you don't need to heal yourself like before you start helping other people or even if you have your own problems that doesn't mean you can't help others and yes like you can take that to a certain extent, but it's just not, I just don't believe that it's right to be trying to help somebody else through a lot of the issues that you are also experiencing because you're most likely going to be projecting your judgments on them until you come to a very like non-judgmental and like compassionate place with yourself. And so I really didn't even like do, I mean, I've always been like very interested in like entrepreneurship and like marketing and like um, online like business and whatnot. And so I've, I was learning about it a lot this year, but I didn't actually have the guts to like start coaching people until like early September, like just two months ago, yeah. because I was like, that's when I finally felt healed. And I didn't feel like I would have been like projecting anything onto anybody else. And I was like, cause my whole time throughout like the past year, I was like, how could, how the heck could I help other people with this stuff if I can't even help myself? And so like once things came to like a much better place, I was like, um, like I felt confident enough to do it and gosh, there's still like imposter syndrome every day. And it's like, I'm very slow building. And so there's a lot of like comparison in terms of like looking at other people, but I have to remind myself as, as you know, everybody does. And you guys do that. Like people are attracted to you for a certain reason. Like somebody else might follow another dietitian because they really resonate with them and like them. And somebody might follow me as a, like a health coach and somebody who specializes in more like eating psychology because they resonate with me and doesn't always necessarily have to like revert back to a title, but just like that feeling that you get from somebody maybe that like authenticity and so it's been a lot of like a lot of challenging those like imposter syndrome feelings of like who am I to do this when you know like there's hundreds of other people doing it um and so yeah just like on the note of entrepreneurship that's like it's been such a, a mindset thing with that too. I'm curious, Eliza, like how, if you could give like someone one piece of advice of like where to start mm -hmm. of to like how to start even recognizing what's right for you and like filtering out the other things. Like what would be like the starting point, do you think? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, 
I would say if you're starting to recognize that maybe like patterns aren't so healthy, even though you're convinced they are, I would begin to notice like if something feels stressful because like health and wellness is not supposed to feel stressful. Like it should be adding to our life, not like subtracting from it. And so obviously I always say, and so many people say, I'm sure you've heard before is like awareness is the first step to change or like changing any behavior. Like you really can't change anything about yourself until you're like aware of what's happening. So really bringing in that like mindfulness component of like awareness, like just being very aware of what your behaviors are. You don't have to like shame, blame, name yourself. If you are like over-exercising if you are like restricting, binging, that sort of thing, just like noticing, being like, where am I right now? Like what's going on? It's too hard to do everything at once at the beginning when you're just like, I'm going to stop restricting, I'm going to stop binging, I'm going to stop over-exercising because then that's like that diet starts tomorrow yeah. mentality of like, I'm going to yeah. stop doing this today and yep. then tomorrow will be better. And it's like, you can't do that at first. Like you just have to become like very used to honestly, like your own BS a little bit, as hard as it sounds. And then like, kind of, it's like, once you really just get sick of that, that's like, usually when somebody reaches out like for help or like support or something because it's just like way too hard to do sometimes in those early stages when you're still very like in denial of the fact that like your patterns and behaviors might not be the healthiest so I would say just like sitting with some of the things you're struggling with like being aware of them taking note if you like to journal maybe journal but just like just being very aware and just like bringing more like consciousness into play rather than just like always going on like autopilot absolutely no that that makes so much sense I think that's that that is great advice because the whole I think people do struggle with that awareness piece and just starting with like I think when we, when we say like oh be mind like mindfulness practice mindfulness all this stuff people are like yeah. what <laughs> so I I think that you identifying like a question for someone to ask themselves is this causing me stress what you know how is this impacting my life that in itself is super helpful is this adding or is this like subtracting from my life like is me not going out to dinner with friends and family because I'm too afraid of like eating out, like actually making me healthy, like most likely not. (laughs) Right. Absolutely. And you mentioned before, Eliza, the like spiritual awakening component of things. And are there any specific like practices or or just things that you could recommend to someone to help them on their journey and and what's impacted yours the most? If there's something. Um, So I was really fortunate at the time that I was going through a lot of the stuff to be in New York where there's a lot of access to like different resources. And one of the ones that I came across there, not sure if you guys have heard of it, is the class by Taryn Toomey. Um, It's basically, it's a work. So it's a mind body workout that basically is meant to challenge the physical body, but challenge the mind as well. So when you're in class, it's a combination of like cardio, uh, yoga, Pilates, kind of like different types of body based movements that make you really sit with that discomfort in class. And it is honestly so hard to describe. And if you ask anybody who practices it, they'll say the same thing. It's like one of those things you have to experience for yourself. But basically, when you're doing a moving class, each song is one movement. So you could be doing like four minutes of squats. And if they're just body based movement squats on the beat of the music, but what you're really practicing is being where your feet are, like not being in your head of like, when is the song going to be over? My legs don't look thin enough. Um, I'm really tired. Uh, They can do more squats than me. It's like noticing those thoughts, turning them off, and then just being in your body and like practicing that like physical presence. That was the really first time that I like kind of engaged in anything like a little bit more, you could say like mindful, like spiritual a little bit because it was thinking about things that weren't mental health and weren't physical health, but rather like that 
matter of like presence and mindfulness. So anyway, to my point, they have a lot of amazing classes and instructors in New York. Of course, with the pandemic, they do now have virtual online classes. And that honestly, for any of your listeners who like resonate with what I'm saying, that was like one of the biggest catalysts of my change of being able to sit in my discomfort and not run away from it and grab my phone or grab like a snack or grab something else. But like being in my body, like when something, when my heart rate is skyrocketing, when my glute is like really sore from one of the moves we're doing and just like noticing the discomfort that I'm feeling and not choosing to run away. So like choosing to stay with it, not choosing to numb, distract, avoid, whatever. So they have virtual classes right now. Um, um, they're really awesome. I think it's like a, you get like a two week free trial at the beginning. The other thing I will say was following one account in particular. I'm sure you guys probably heard of her, um, the holistic psychologist mm-hmm. on Instagram. Yeah, Dr. yeah, yeah. She brought up a lot of very interesting things about spiritual awakening and, you know, how it can feel very woo woo. But at the end of the day, what it is is really you unraveling a lot of maybe patterns that are no longer serving you. And so that kind of went along with a, some of those that I started to follow last year and this quest for healing and self-discovery and this like new meaning of life and it she just opened my eyes to so much about like just like what spirituality means in a very like digestible context so I would say those things the class by Taryn Toomey and following some therapists on Instagram who really talk about those those things incredible we have to try that Julia I'm I know I want to try it so bad yeah and it's not just like you get a really good workout with it to be obviously it's not just about the workout but it's like if you are looking for that physical release it's a lot about like shaking energy off your body so like rather doing a workout for like toned leg it's legs it's like moving all this like stuck and stagnant energy that just gets like so um balled up in you throughout your day of like hunching your shoulders and like stressing about xyz and it's just like get it out and you just there's a lot of like movement in there it's really cool so highly recommend i love it i feel like i saw you post at one point like like crying during a class is is, am i right maybe perhaps is that that i have a few times yeah because there's (laughs) so much emotion that like leaves your body when you're doing it's like kind of like a purge but you gotta you you do have to kind of allow yourself to cry because you you have to be able to like let your guard down some people including myself are really good at like keeping it up but if you're like actually open to like letting go and just like letting things out it'll most likely come if you're doing it (laughs) yeah well our body our body holds our emotions body keeps everything right yeah (laughs) oh we could talk that this could be a whole nother episode because i love all this stuff (laughs) But we'll come back to it. But um, just because I know that we're, we've kept you for a long time, but I, this is a little bit of a different vein, but I feel like it would be such a shame to not talk about it. The decision to make the move from New York to Denver must have been a big one. And I think it's very, in our 20s, it's like really hard to be like, I'm going to make this huge decision and I'm going to start this new whole thing in a place where I don't know anybody. But I feel like a lot of people, you know, are stuck and feeling like that could a move could be a good thing but are very fearful of that so can you just talk a little bit about like I know you mentioned it um earlier but a little bit about your experience and the decision to actually do it and how it's paid off yeah absolutely I think it's tough because it is very different for people for me I have always been like more free-spirited and independent so it didn't it, it was scary at first but it was also very exciting whereas maybe a lot of who are much more like attached to like big groups of friends or like big groups of family might have a harder time separating themselves from that. 
So I don't want to like prescribe like a move across the country to every single person our age. No, no, no. (laughs) And that's not what we're trying to do. But I will say it is one of the most like fulfilling things you can do for yourself because these are like the years where like you just have to experience. Had I not moved out here, I don't really know where I would be in my life. And I would just say, like, if calling you, like, more like that spirituality we were just talking about is, like, I just kept thinking about Denver for, honestly, no apparent reason. It's just, like, mm-hmm. it just felt right. And, of course, that is, like, more of my intuition. And I am fortunate to be more intuitive. But if there's that inkling that's in you that has at least just, like, a little bit of sense in it, like, it doesn't have to make a total amount of sense, but if there's something that you can get out of it that feels very, like, exciting, I would just do it and press the button because, like, it's so cliche, but, like, everything is on the other side of fear, right? It's, like, I mean, fear absolutely stinks when we're feeling it, but, like, when we do that thing and we get over that hump, it's, like, one of the most rewarding things that we could possibly do. Um, And so, yeah, I would say just no need to force a big life change or a big life move, but if you're craving like something new in your life or like craving something that is just different and new and just fulfilling and something that you're not used to, I would definitely go for it. Incredible. So, so helpful. We just have a few little questions left for you. Um, And the first one is, do you have any daily practices, rituals, or routines that you incorporate into your day? It's a good question. You know, I've never really, I know meditation is a huge movement right now, but I've never been like a still meditator. Part of that class by Taryn Toomey workout was really helping me move into like a moving meditation. Luckily, you know, I'm not going to prescribe this to people who are in a disordered place of exercise but I do try and incorporate movement into my day every morning it's really not about my body anymore I've like realized it's like it just helps me think so much more clearly throughout the day it helps manage my anxiety just in terms of like what life throws out at me so I would say like very like mindful movement in the morning like it doesn't have to be forced it doesn't have to be something that's like a a prescription but kind of like waking up and seeing like what am I in the mood to do today and just getting that stagnant energy out um and the other thing I would say is like I drink a lot of ice water <laughs> I've always been like a huge ice water fan for some reason I've always geared towards like colder things we're big than ice fans stuff. here we love it. Things. okay good like yeah. I've never been a big hot beverage person so <laughs> I try to do like just morning movement and ice water um in the morning I don't really journal that much I know that's very in right now um that with meditation but I would say just in terms of like daily practices the movement and just like the a lot of water for sure love it eliza has there been any resource in your life it could be a book a person a podcast that has helped guide you through your 20s thus far Ooh, through my 20s yeah that's a good question i would say a few i would say the one person and resource that really helped me move into true intuitive eating out of disorder eating was Christy Harrison. I'm sure you guys have heard of her. She's very well known in the non-diet, anti-diet community, and she really coined the term the wellness diet, which is what we talked about a lot with the orthorexia. So a lot of her podcasts and books are great. I would also say another person I love is Lisa Haim from The Wellness Essay. Yes. Oh, she's amazing. I've been trying to get her on the podcast. (laughs) Yeah. She's so amazing. She's always been like, I I just feel like she says a lot of the things that I'm always thinking. And so she's a huge inspiration. And in terms of books, The Untethered Soul is amazing. If you're like looking for a little bit more of that, like self-discovery in your twenties and like, who am I? That was a big one. I would say those are three off the top of my head. Love yeah. <laughs> Incredible. Love. Incredible. You have been so wonderful. Our last question for you yeah. is where can people find you in general or if they want to work with you? For sure. Um, so I have my website now. It's just 
Instagram.com. My Instagram is it's Eliza Dortelman. And then I actually also just added my coaching and nutrition services onto ClassPass, which is really cool. Do nutrition and wellness on there. Cool. So if you're looking for a little bit more, I'm not going to say an affordable option, but if you, if that fits into your budget more, if you have like ClassPass membership, then you can also find me on there and book a session with me. So fun. Oh, Eliza, yeah. you were incredible. Thank you for sharing your, your story with us. This was so much fun. Yeah. Thank you guys so much for having me on. I was, when I saw your, um, your podcast, description I was like wow this is just such a good idea because you know there's the almost 30 podcasts but like there's nothing that's related to that so it seems like in the 20s you know yeah ma'am just we're all just out here swimming all alone yeah. trying to find each other finding our school of fish seriously <laughs> exactly <laughs> goodbye everybody bye everyone Thanks for listening to Roaring Twenties Podcast. Be sure to rate and review wherever you get your podcasts and please subscribe. You're never alone. Our pride sticks together. Tune in every Monday and Thursday for new episodes of Roaring Twenties Podcast. You get to start your week with us and end your week with us. With love, Brenda and Julia. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.